promised to build an arena in, in Wisconsin. In fact, if we had not, we would have like lost the team. We had worked, you know, for a year straight and it had gotten taken out of the budget. I cried to my wife and she said, well, like, what are we gonna do? You know, we gotta, we gotta do something. And we started to make appointments with each one of the 99 assembly members to make sure they understood our story. You took a big hit in that moment, but you know, you, it sounds like you sort of, you know, took a minute, reflected, rallied, sort of rallied the wagons. Hey there, this is Ben. Thanks for tuning in to Lead the Team. Before we jump in, we just broke into the top 2% of all podcasts globally, and that's largely due to the support of listeners just like you. I invite you to subscribe so you're notified when we release a new episode and also leave a quick review. Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning. On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben. Hey there, Lead the Team Nation. You're going to want to stick around for this one today. We have a big one with Peter Fagan. And if you don't know him, he is the president of the Milwaukee Bucks and Pfizer Forum. Man, I've been prepping for this for a very long time, and I'm so happy to have you on, Peter. Now, for those of you who need a little bit more information, when he started, the Bucks had only 15 wins, a dated arena, and they were dead last in league merchandise sales. Now, Peter has led an incredible turnaround with the Bucks winning their second NBA championship title, and he's been the driving force behind the transformational vision in developing the world-class Pfizer Forum which is a $524 million arena and Deer District, which he has reimagined, rebuilt, and re-energized. And this includes the team's business operations. And this resulted in substantial increases in attendance, ticket revenue, merchandise revenue, partnership sales, and TV viewership. And he's also assembled a top flight management team and has nurtured a corporate culture marked by accountability, collaboration, and fun. And by the way, this includes spearheading many diversity and inclusion initiatives. One to note is the first female play-by-play announcer for any major men's professional team. Woo, Peter, welcome to lead the team, sir. Thanks, Ben. Good to be here. Man, y'all, this is going to be so much fun today, and there are so many different places to start, but let's start with the winning culture that you really kickstarted when you came in. What's been the secret? Yeah, I think the vision is really the secret. So we were Mm. taken on by new ownership, and the real goal was let's win championships on the court, let's win championships off the court, let's let's build the plumbing to be a championship contender. You know, what are the resources? What's the process? What are our goals and objectives? And, like, how do we create a performance culture that is, you know, about winning, whether it's growing your revenue, whether it's in the community, whether it's literally winning basketball games. So let's talk about vision then for a second. Yes, that is like an essential ingredient for leadership in creating any kind of transformation. Where did you come up with this vision? So you, you know, you come in, did you sort of say like, because you have a background, I believe with the Nets, right? And some other sports organizations. But you did you just go to the mountainside and say, hmm, I think I'm going to create a, a world-class NBA championship team? 
I mean, wh- where did this not, come from? Yeah, not smart enough to to be that thoughtful. Like real simple, <laughs> straightforward things. I mean, we we kind of started with our principles, you know, which is everything from hey, we're going to hire people that that want to be present. We're going to set ridiculously high standards. Hmm. We're going to measure everything we do. If we don't measure it, it doesn't matter. Okay. Um, you know, we we also care about you know making sure our words match our actions. We have the jerk rule. Don't be a jerk. You know, that's like simple, simple stuff for right. a winning community. And then we tell everybody here, which is like funny, you have to say it. It's like, by the way, this is a job. We want you to work your butt off, but mm. we want to appreciate you. We want to compensate you. We want you to have fun. We want you to have work-life balance, but it's a job. We're going to work. We're going to work hard. And a real part of the the grounding of everything is is the people, you know, we hire knowing that, you know, kind of those standards are, are part of mm. The way we build the business, and I think we have all the stars aligned with our general manager John Horst and our coach, you know, Coach Bud, who's all lined on how do we constantly improve. Kind of, I'd say, like the general leadership deal is is, is occasionally we're, we're pleased, but we're never satisfied. Was there a moment, or what was the moment when you knew, okay, we're going to go from being a, you know a pretty good team to an NBA championship? Like when? Was there a moment when you realized that or no, I mean, this all happened like pretty quickly over like a five to seven year span, although in pro sports, that's not so long, but we had this incredible accelerant called uh, global superstar and Giannis onto to come. So yes, yeah, so, so as we started to, I mean, we literally were kind of a, a distressed asset at the time of purchase. So whether it was games one, whether it was revenue, whether it was what, what any measurement, you know, w- w- was kind of behind, mm-hmm what it should be. So, you know, when we started to build um, kind of the infrastructure to really scale and scope the business, um, you knew we were headed in the right direction. And by the way, unbelievable assistance with a new arena, you know, which creates great interest with a district, you know, that literally has become Milwaukee's living room. And then the winning of like a global brand, like an NBA team, like the Bucks, are all great, huge components of success. Well, what's the secret ingredient for keeping people focused on that? Because like you say, six years, I mean, it doesn't sound like a long time. Maybe like you say in the, in the sports or maybe it is, it is fast for a sports world, but what do you do to keep people focused and motivated? Because there's probably a lot of ups and downs along the way. Yeah. I think for us, like we have this kind of, um, this underdog mentality of being in a small market in the Midwest. So we, we want to be, we want to be not the greatest team in the Midwest, not the greatest team in the nation. We want to be the global team. We want to be the world. We want to be a brand that people look at, you know, on a sport like basketball that's played everywhere, that participation is going up, that's viewed in 215 countries. We want to be that team. And we kind of sit there and say like, what a fun, irreverent city. Milwaukee can be as that brand and with a global superstar like Giannis, how do we do that? So, I mean, that's the never ending journey is how do you continue to grow, um, you know, on a global platform? Yeah. I mean, NBA is a, I mean, you look at the superstars, I mean, they're, they are global in nature yet. The market is still, I mean, NBA is played primarily in the U S and, you know, in Canada here. What what is what do you think, you know, looking 10 years, 20 years down the road, are there going to be NBA teams around the world? Yeah, I think you're seeing kind of iterations of it. You're seeing the African NBA start up a league. 
You're mm. going to see teams in Mexico. You're going to see expansion. You'll see more international games um, as, as we go through. So, I mean, really the strategy is how do we disseminate like more around the world? Because that's where our growth is. I mean, more than 60% mm. of our audience on social media is from out of the United States. No kidding. Wow. And so as a business mind, how are you thinking about that? Because that's a that's a huge percentage of people who are probably not going to actually come to a game. I mean, if some may, but if they're living abroad, how are they going to, you know, get, get here from from a transportation cost standpoint? How do you think about building through that? You think completely differently because 99.9% of our fans will never be at a game. So how do they consume it? How do they communicate? How do they become part of the engagement of what it's like to be a fan? And part of that is the incredible magic of, of what's happened on social media, on the consumption of short form video, on the affinity programs, on retail, like around the world. How do you continue to customize and localize messaging to that specific fan, whether they're watching in the Philippines or whether they're in Oshkosh, Wisconsin? How do you continue to cultivate that fandom? And on business model, it's like, how do you monetize that? Yeah, it's a big question. And I wonder, you know, I'm glad we're getting you on today. I feel like from my my perception, most presidents of NBA and sports franchises in general want to stay behind the scenes. Unless maybe you're like Jerry Jones or something like that. And he wants to be out front. What is your what's your thought on that? Do you feel like the top leaders in, in sports organizations should be out there communicating their leadership message? Cause there's so much emphasis, of course, on the players. And uh, you know, how, how are you thinking about that? So, I mean, I'll answer that like in a very localized way. I mean, I think when ownership bought this team, like we were really stewards of a brand, like in a community. And I think mm. that gave us this unbelievable opportunity in such a smaller market like Wisconsin and specifically Milwaukee is how we can affect change. And whether that's in the community, whether that's social justice, whether that's fan events and, 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 you know, and, and more content, you know, for people mm-hmm. to use Pfizer form as a destination. So I think you have a responsibility to, to be present and to lead. And in some markets, it, you know, you need more of a presence and in some markets you'd need less of a presence. But I think, you know, in our, in our environment, you know, myself, our head coach, our general manager are all very much, you know, front and present, like in the community, because that's mm-hmm. an important attribute, like in the state of Wisconsin. People want to, people want people's words to max, match their actions. They want to build trust. They want to have the relationship. And that's another part of kind of what we've built over the last few years. I love that. It's a great way to think about because it, it, it's obviously good for business when the community likes you, but you know, it says, Hey, I can relate to this person. I trust them. But I mean, it's, it's such a, gives you a, a powerful platform to, cr- to create a positive change in the community. And uh, from what I've been reading, you know, on, on some of the stuff that you've been working on uh, in, in Milwaukee, I think it's been pretty cool, right? Around uh, cultural change, uh, diversity and whatnot, that's been a big piece of what your leadership message has been about. Yeah, I think even in the when you think about kind of like what, what the legacy will be and kind of affecting change, I mean, we certainly were one of the teams who boycotted a game in the bubble, you know, that stopped pro sports for a moment, which was a great moment in history. But we've also opened up our, our arena for voting. 
We also were a vaccination station before there mm. were vaccination stations, like for the city of Milwaukee. I mean, our ownership has really embraced, you know, kind of how we can be a, a help, an assistant, and an asset, you know, an additive as you know, asset to to the city of Milwaukee. So looking back at your at your history and background, I mean, you've, you've worked on a lot of interesting things. You grew up in in the in the Northeast. Uh, when did you, or, or what was maybe an early moment where you're like, you know what, um, maybe I'm going to be a community leader, or maybe I'm going to, I don't know if you were, I, I guess you played some collegiate soccer early on. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And so you, maybe you're going to get into sports and I'm always curious about the hints that maybe emerged when you were young that, Hey, this, you know, Peter might be heading into the, <laughs> I don't know sports franchises or community leaders or, you know? Yeah, I was extremely lucky, Ben. I, I grew up in a family where my, my dad was a consumer products executive. And my mom was an ad executive for a big global ad agency. Our Sunday dinners were like osmosis, you know, like kind of like understanding, ah, okay. like I knew pretty early that like I could probably get excited about and be successful at sales and marketing and, and kind of right. like okay. that. And I kind of got my first dip in the water, you know, really like at Six Flags theme parks, you know, and kind of learned a lot of lessons and, and mm. kind of learned like what it was like to be in an entertainment brand and kind of the sales and marketing side of it. And, uh, and just caught the bug, you know, I, I mm. really, you know, if, if you kind of, what I get a kick out of is uh, certainly on the business side is, is growing revenue. You know, what is growth? How do we think of solutions? How do we continue to sell and motivate and, and create roadmaps, you know, for assets to sell? And and that's, you know, that that was exciting. But that was all the seed was planted, hmm. you know, again, very luckily, like at the kitchen table, you know, with with two great parents. Hey, you know what? I great so simple yet overlooked. Right. The the important part of family dinners. And if you don't have a big family, your family's not around, having friends in for dinner to create those conversations, because I believe it was Jim Rohn that said the quote about you you become the five people you spend the most time with. And having those dinner time conversations, you're right, it's, it's like learning by osmosis, yet we forget that so easily. Want to boost your productivity and decision making? Get vital insights from each episode delivered directly to your inbox. A great resource, whether you've listened to the episode or not. Go to benfanning.com slash insight. What's your favorite Six Flags lesson that you learned back in the day? My greatest Six Flags lesson? <laughs> yeah, I, I think like the interesting, like Six Flags was such an operational like really you had 180 days and like you're dependent on whether you know things that people don't think about who mm. are guests, you know, you really have the pressure to 50% of the audience, you know, at that time was, were coming on weekends, you know? So if you had a rain on Saturday and you're running the business, you wanted to cry, you know, cause you could never <laughs> uh, run it. But, you know, I learned like a lot of the people business and a lot of the human capital business in on my six flags days. Cause I worked at I worked at different parks and when I was at Six Flags Great Adventure, you know, I learned the importance of the food service person mm. to to the box office person to, you know, what makes everything click in, in like a mm. very big way. So that was like my first big experience in a large operation and I probably caught the bug of saying like literally at the time I was like, wow, aspirationally like I'd love to be a park president. Like 
this would be a cool job to mm. to run, you know, a regional theme park. Wow. And so fast forward to Deer District. Now, Deer Deer District is not quite Six Flags, but I but I sense that a lot of what you learned at Six Flags and in that business applies uh pretty well huh same exact kind of thing is how do you create the destination how do you make it Uh sticky how do you have people live there work there play there how do you create content how do you create an ecosystem you know where people can spend hours there like in in a big way and constantly think of what how you can activate the plaza how you can activate it you know whether you're doing whether you're doing a farmer's market or a concert you know, outside in a basketball game inside, you know, what is, mm. what are the hooks? Like, how do you, how do you drive volume and attendance and really create that destination? So yeah, a lot of the same basic thinking. I love that. It goes just to remind leaders too, there are no wasted experiences and opportunities. You can, we can bring those forward. You don't necessarily always know where they're going to come up, but man, has it popped for you there <laughs> in Milwaukee and worked out really well. So fast forwarding a little bit, thinking about the basketball court, and I think sports are often a great metaphor for life and whatnot, but thinking about specifically the business world, what do you think business leaders can learn from attending a Bucks game? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the basics, I mean, how do you, how do you collaborate? How do you communicate? Mm-hmm you know, like how do you, how do you react, you know, in a positive way to, to the ebb and flow of, of success and failure. You know, those are all like real, but I agree with you, you know, sports imitates life, you know, in, in such a big way. So, you know, I always kind of mentally look for folks who are, you know, love the competition, love to like dig in and work hard and train to be great. And, uh, and play hard. And by the way, like on the other side of it, who has empathy for their, for their teammates, you know, and who's, who's, who's who's a great, who's a great teammate to, to do it, you know, on a, on a basketball court, it's so easy. There are five people, you know, if they're all working together, it's, it's, it's literally like a symphony. It's, it's magical. Oh yeah. I love that. I love that. And when you, and so when you went from the six flags world, I started getting more into the sports side, what surprise do you, about the business side of sports from going from the outside, kind of observing it to, okay, this is the reality that I didn't necessarily uh, consider before. Yeah. I mean, teamwork is, is extremely operational, you know, like, listen at that, that there are two, there are two revenue streams. One is national where you get kind of national television money. And in the NBA, it's TNT and ESPN and ABC and then there's local revenue and local revenue is really like you are driving traffic. You are ticket sales, your event sales and premium, you're selling sponsorships, you're, you're executing, you're driving relationships. You know, it is a very hands-on in the weeds type of job. Hmm. And at the same time, you're balancing that with really trying to expand your global brand in, in a big way. So it's a really delicate balance of like, how do you continue to grow the local business on the ground at the same time, the future is going to be all about direct to consumer all around the world. Wow. Exciting. How, and and this one might be a little bit out of left field, but with artificial intelligence coming on with chat GPT, there's a lot going on in that world. What's the conversation like in the organization on, on the opportunities that that presents? 
Yeah, I mean, a great example is variable pricing. You know, now in real mm. time, you can you can like literally by the second, and the the pricing of secondary ticket sales really kind of command your ticket pricing. You know, in in a way that's all completely controlled by marketing automation, AI, and and pricing. Whereas you used to have to manually kind of figure out and take guesses. You know, there's there's not too much guesswork, and that's you know, that's really how to leverage like your, your, your revenue potential in just mm. one of, Interesting. You know, in, in, in one of the levers of revenue to get it done, you know? And I think like as AI continues to grow, it's also going to affect like how you consume, like think of, think of your TikTok and your Instagram. I mean, there, there are algorithms that help me understand what type of fan you are. I know what you buy in our arena. I know what videos like you're looking at. I know what retail, you know, you're interested in. How can I put that puzzle together in real time and encourage you to transact with us? Yeah, I love it. A little scary, but also really cool at the same time. <laughs> Finding that balance. Oh man. So, all right. So let's let's dig in a little bit more here uh, before we let you go here, Peter. Over the years, what's been your biggest source of inspiration, and what's a challenging time that it got you through? Yeah, I, I think I, I kind of like I love I, I I love the challenging times. I love whether there's conflict, whether there's kind of a soft spot, whether you haven't won it. It kind of I love I love to watch how I can react to it and kind of be solution oriented, and more importantly, how how do the teammates kind of circle you know, the mm-hmm. wagons and really kind of mm-hmm. I love I love the challenge of like how do you get out of a problem in a big way, you know? And I think for us, like, listen, I, I mean, a very personal one is. You know, one of my first things I said as a as an executive here in in Milwaukee, not as a pointed comment, but I happened to mention that, you know, the city of Milwaukee, like many other cities, happens to be, you know, very segregated and very, you know, and, and I, I saw that comment, you know, and, and that's <laughs> an interesting, you know, juxtaposition yeah. because, you know, it kind of, you know, it, it's not it's true. It's hurtful for those, you know, who are native to. The place it wasn't mm-hmm. as it wasn't a, a stab come, but how do you, you know, that's like a great personal mountain to climb. It's like how do you stick by your, you know, uh, by your real principles and kind of move forward and 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 kind of, you know, again, I'd say you know make sure your words match match your actions and you kind of follow through with uh, what it is. But I the challenges are always mm-hmm. I, I always find like the most fun and interesting and and the really the most rewarding. If everything was easy. There, there really wouldn't be much to celebrate. Yeah, I mean, what's your job, right? If it were right. easy, right? They called right. you into a tough situation, and you, and you, and you said, you know, you, you, you put out the segregation and racism within the city, which a lot of cities have. You took some heat for it, and then my sense is that you have stepped into that role in terms of being a unifying force to help solve the problems that you see. But uh, absolutely, you, I mean, Ben, you know, I'll tell you, like. We were looking as we 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 promised ownership when they bought this team promised to build an arena in in Wisconsin and in Milwaukee and in fact if we had not we would have like lost the team you know so that was a prerequisite so mm-hmm. we had to pitch the state the county and the city you know for 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 funding in building an arena which at the time yeah. was an extremely challenging and we had worked you know for a year straight and it had gotten taken out of the budget to do oh. to, to, which is you know for the most crushing time you know i went home i i cried to my wife and 
she said, well, like, what are we going to do? You know, we got to, we got to do something. And, you know, literally kind of sat down and said, oh, well, we got to get back up to Madison. And we started to make appointments with each one of the 99 assembly members to make sure they understood our story to, to get it done. Mm -hmm. So that was like a great example of, you know, again, not being uh, incredibly intellectually uh, advanced, but how do you just really focus on kind of getting, getting the problem solved? Yeah. And so resilient because you took a big hit in that moment, but you know, you, it sounds like you sort of, you know, took a minute, reflected, rallied, sort of rallied the wagons and like, Hey, what's our next step? And step-by-steps setting up all those meetings. I bet how many did you, did you end up visiting all 99 or 99 and didn't leave the state house, stayed up there, had, had two people who worked with me setting up visit by visit. And if people didn't want to meet with us, like we made sure they would meet with us. And, uh, and just told them economically, you know, for the city itself, for the growth, like you might not be understanding this, uh, this equation, but this is the right thing. It might have helped one of the days to bring our head coach and some players, you know, for, for, uh, You're like for, meet Giannis. For, yeah. For some <laughs> celebrity purposes, but yeah, no, that was resilience and kind of like very, you know, focused and solution oriented. And also, even though. You, you guys are have you know global stars and you're you know superstars in that state you rolled up your sleeves and got down to do the business that you needed to do which is set up all those meetings and do the work and i think it's important for executives to remember the impact that can have it's easy to get frustrated you know in your office and just you know just trying to make calls there but I, but you to get out on the road, make all those all those calls um, at at the state house. I mean, that was obviously huge, impactful, hugely impactful. And congratulations on the result. No, it's a win for everybody. So, starting to wrap up here, Peter. What are three success strategies that all employees need to be keeping in mind? Well, I think number one, like it, it's hard to be successful without goals and objectives. To, to get it, whether they're short term or long term, you know, you, you really need to, you know, kind of c- kind of get those, you know, kind of centered. And if, if you're entry level and you need some leadership and management you know, thing, there, there's never it's never a crime to ask, you know, kind of management for a roadmap or some help on how I can be successful or, or what could can be. I mean, I think also, you know, you've got to um, you've got to really understand not just your own goals and objectives, but great organizations. Everybody has a real understanding of what the entire, you know, um, organization's goals and objectives are. You know, when people are here, they know we want to grow revenue by double digits. They know we want to increase our fan affinity. They know we want to increase our food and, you know, beverage at the same time. We want to win a championship on the court. That's like we don't shy away from, you know, our basketball operations goal is to win an NBA championship you know, to, to, um, to get down. And then like, you know, I think one of the things that, um, you know, people kind of lose, lose a little direction on is like, it's okay to have fun. Like Mm. it is like, it's like, uh, it's life. And if you really commit yourself to your job, it's usually a very big percentage of your life. So you should be surrounded with people like you like and respect and can learn from, and you should, 
certainly work hard, but you should certainly set yourself in an environment where you can actually enjoy yourself and have some fun. And I've been lucky. I've been lucky to do that. And then I would just say like the real, you know, to me, you know, the, the icing on the cake is always be curious, you know, Mm -hmm. literally like the way you learn, it's no different than when you're in school, ask the questions, attach yourself to people you think you might learn, you know, literally get yourself in the room. Like those are all important things. So before we go, let's talk more about fun. Sure. So a lot of people might be listening and they're like, yeah, I mean, fun might be nice when you're running an NBA team, but what about us and our, you know, our, our corporate office? Like what, how are we doing now? What's the role there? And so I'm curious from your perspective, what do you think the world needs to understand about having fun at work? Yeah, I think there's there's certainly a time to be serious. There's certainly a time to be focused. You've got it. But but for instance, you know what 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 I've always had a hard time, and I've learned a lot better over the last four or five years is is certainly like one of the best opportunities to have fun is celebrating the successes. So you know, I used to kind of like we'd do a great thing, we'd have a great deal, we'd and I'd kind of be excited to get on to the next thing, and that was like a that was like a bad. <laughs> thing you know that was one of these staged opportunities where Mm. you could bring the whole community together and whether you have a happy hour whether you create fun gifts for them whether you do a scavenger hunt you know with different teams of mixed people around those are important things to to get in and our most successful things have really been like how to we happen to have like an arena operations of about a hundred people, a business office of a couple hundred, a basketball. When we do things that combine people and have them interact with like the people uh, they're not sitting next to, you know, okay. every minute. And really yep. that has helped us build the community even more that people have resources all around the, the company. So, you know, any opportunity for those kind of like building block social events is, is a great thing as well. And what, and what's, and what's been the result of that for you? Well, I think like people understand that this is like a very positively, it's positive reinforcement. You know, this is, this is the carrot. This is not the stick, you know, and that's (laughs) like, and that's like a big difference. You know, that's like how you get it. I mean, we are serious, like expectations should be met. There are consequences, but like the truth is like, we want to set up to win. And, and when we do, we should, we should have fun with it, you know, and it shouldn't be laborious. You are not. Mm you know, you are not working in a coal mine when you are working for a professional sports entertainment company. Great reminder there. And I like a couple of things that you said about that, that really stuck out to me. Number one is fun can be about celebrating. And if you're not sure where to start as a leader, celebrate progress on a project that you made. Even if you haven't won your NBA championship quite yet, find something to, to really celebrate, to give momentum and also like what you said, Peter, about bringing people together. So, you know, fun can be about getting people together from different parts of the organization. In fact, that might be a great reason to do it because they're going to communicate better outside of the celebration and getting together if they know each other on a personal level. Yeah, we're yeah. very lucky because kind of the DNA has to be in, in, in sports and hospitality and entertainment. Like you enjoy people, like you are in the people <laughs> business to get in. Yeah. So you would think that a lot of our, a lot of our environment is surrounded by people who actually want to be around mm-hmm. other people want to work, you know? So, you know, we were, you know, we, our transformation from, 
from out of the office to into the office, you know, was was seamless out of COVID to get it. People wanted to interact with people. People wanted to kind of get back to it. Great. Well, what is your parting thought for our listeners today? Well, I mean, I think for 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 everybody, like you know, whether whether you're whether you're you know looking to get a job, whether you're in a great job, whether you're you know you're networking around the the basis of of everything is about people, you know. And I've always said like one of like the real incredible things that I've been taught and I've been able to do is collect people, and it's been incredibly valued. Now. Now you're an acquaintance and a friend and a deep resource that I can always call and and reflect on and and we you know we talk that's just a, a you know this is one example you know on an early morning to to talk about it but I I just think the value of network the value of people yeah. the value of diverse thought yeah. and like if you care about it you know th- there's not m- much greater value than a real diverse deep rich network of people mm. that. And and I do think I do think at the core people want to help people in in a big way. So I think that helps professionally as well. Oh, fantastic. You're in the people business. And I think if every, everyone listening today, if you reflect on what you do as a leader, you're in the people business too. And so many great strategies and insights and stories today. Peter, thank you for coming on Lead the Team. Great. Great to be here. If you're an executive at a crossroads in your career and thinking about quitting. Do this before you do anything else. Head over to benfanning.com slash quit to receive a free signed copy of my number one best-selling book, The Quit Alternative, The Blueprint for Creating the Job You Love Without Quitting. You'll learn the critical questions you must answer before you make such an impactful decision. Go to benfanning.com slash quit to get this valuable resource for just the cost of shipping. Ben Fanning is a number one best-selling author, Inc. Magazine columnist, and CEO of the Fanning Group, an international consultancy and corporate training company. To learn how they can help your organization, go to benfanning.com.